Hey, welcome to another exciting podcast from Freedom House Church. My name is Troy Maxwell. I'm the senior pastor of our church. We are one church that meets in multiple locations, which means we have different communicators at all of our different locations. Today, you'll be hearing an exciting message from one of our teaching teams. I know that it will bless you. You will walk away changed. So enjoy this message. Good morning, Freedom House. Good to see everybody. Come on, give Jesus a big hand clap. Awesome. Good to be in the house. Aren't you glad you're in church? Come on, and wave at me if you're glad to be in church. Look at your neighbor. Say, I'm so glad you're sitting by me. Come on, look at him. Look at your second choice. Say, you should be glad I'm sitting next to you. Come on, look at him. Look at the person behind you. Say, you smell good. Come on. Everybody takes a shower on Sundays. Praise God. Praise God. Well, hey, my name's Troy Maxwell. And uh, my wife and I are the senior pastors here. Also want to welcome India. Come on, India. Come on, not Indiana, but India. Millions of you over there. All right, Tennessee, Georgia, South Carolina. Can we give it up for all of our online streamers? Fantastic. It is Vision Weekend. Hope you're excited as I am about what God's doing. Hey, if you want to get involved, I forgot to mention this in the first service, but if you want to get involved in what we're doing at the Mecklenburg Detention Center, um, just go straight out after this to the Guest Central. Put your email address on there. We're contact you. We're putting together teams to go in there. Um, so we're going to be probably be starting that in March and April. There's some changes we have to make in what they do and how they do it <clears throat> in order to stream and provide um, our services in there. And it's not just about us doing services. We really want to uh, create life groups and leadership and train and resources and everything. Hey, grab this real quick if you have it, if you don't mind. I'm not going to spend a lot of time on this. I know I mentioned a couple hot things on here. But I want you to notice something really quickly, specifically of our online viewership. We went up 67% last year in online viewing. Come on, that's good. You can give God a big hand for that. <clears throat> Understand something. When we tally this, there are really thousands of people who kind of click in, watch for a little bit, and then click off. When it says 483 views, what that means is that 483 people stayed online for over 30 minutes. Um, they stayed and watched the services for at least 30 minutes. The other thing that I want you to notice is right in the center, we talked about how much money we gave away, and we gave away 14%. Many people don't realize that at Freedom House Church, um, we are a giving and a generous church. Um, not just from the standpoint of what we give away, but since we started this church, we have always been a tithing church. What that means is that every weekend, as dollars come in, we take 10% right off the top, and we give it away. If you look at the bottom of that page, it tells you all the organizations that we support, the ministries that we support. Um, we plant churches. We help rescue people that are human trafficked. We do stuff nationally, internationally, and locally with the dollars. When it says 14%, not only did we, were we able to give away 10%, but we added another 4% to that, which is pretty exciting. Um, I would love to get to the point where, as a church, we're giving away 20 25%, and we're working there, um, but it requires all of us getting on board and, and giving and tithing, and we'll be able to take care of the things. But minimum, 10%. That's pretty cool, isn't it? All right. Hey, next week, we're finishing up our Dear John today. Everybody say, oh, man, this has been the best messages ever. Fantastic. Um, I'm with you two weeks in a row, by the way. So you get me this weekend and next weekend. Now, um, next weekend, we're starting a brand new series. You saw it 
on our preview uh, called Crash Test Dummies. And it's about uh, the collisions that we have in relationships. I don't know about you, but relationships are hard. Come on. People, life would be great if it wasn't for people. (laughs) Isn't that fantastic? I mean, it'd be awesome if we just... You know, we didn't have to deal with problems. Everybody's got issues. I know you're good. Y'all like perfect and everything. But other services, they got issues. And so, but we got to deal with those issues. Truthfully, we want to get better in our marriages. We want to get better in our friendships. We want to get better around how we do relationships. I love what Gary Smalley said. He says, life is relationship. The rest is just details. And that's what it's all about. So we want to help you navigate all of those relationships So next four Sundays, make sure you're here. Come, enjoy. We have a lot of special things planned. My wife and I are going to be doing a message together. That's always fun. On two levels. First of all, getting prepared with my wife to do a message is challenging. I just want to, so pray for me, okay? Because that's another one of those things, you relationships and all that stuff. And I'm good, but she, you know, anyway, but we almost said that. Please don't, don't tell her I said that. All right, um, or else I'll be coming to your house for the next week and sleeping on your couch. All right, um, but just make sure you come out. We've got a lot of special things planned, and uh, you're going to really, really enjoy it. All right, get your note sheet out, get your iPads, get your uh, iPhones, your your Samsung, whatever you take notes on. And I want to finish up this series on Dear John. We're talking about the things that we not need to get rid of in our life. Uh, if you have your Bibles, you can turn with me to Mark chapter ten. Mark chapter 10. Mark is the third gospel, Matthew, second gospel, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. It's one of the synoptic gospels. And we're going to look at a story of blind Bartimaeus and what we can learn from him. Look at verse 46. It says, now they, they meaning Jesus and his posse um, and a bunch of the other disciples. Jesus had more than just 12 disciples. He had 12 that followed him all the, all the time, but he also had 70 and even up to 500 at, at some times that were following him around. As he went, and this is, by the way, this story is at the end right before he's going to head to Jerusalem. Matter of fact, he is on his way to Jerusalem uh, from Jericho. I think this is kind of funny. I love the Bible because you can get a laugh out of it. Notice what it says. They came to Jericho as they went out of Jericho. Real quick trip to Jericho. With his disciples and a great multitude. Now, can I just say something real quick about this? I didn't say this in the first service, but I'll give you a little bonus. The, the name Jesus in the Greek test is actually the name Joshua. Joshua. Now, remember that there's a connection between Joshua and Jericho, right? You remember in the Old Testament, Joshua came to Jericho, right? And what did he do? What was, what was the role of Joshua with Jericho? He had to tear down the walls in order to enter into the promised land. This was the first city that they went to. Notice that Jesus, the modern-day Joshua, was there to remove the boundaries at the end of his ministry in order for us to enter into our promised land. Pretty cool, huh? So, It says, now, as they came to Jericho, as he went out, way more exciting to me than it was to you, obviously. So anyway, all right, maybe I won't ever share that again. So, and a great multitude, blind Bartimaeus, everybody say Bartimaeus, Bartimaeus. Please don't name your kid Bartimaeus, by the way. That's a difficult thing to deal with in elementary school. Son of Timaeus, sat by the road begging, and when he heard... That it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to cry out and say, Jesus, 
Son of David, have mercy on me. Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Then many warned him to shut up. In the Greek, the word quiet in the Greek is shut up a miss. And it means to, no, that's not true. And then he warned him to be quiet, but he cried out all the more, Son of David, have mercy on me. So Jesus stopped. Isn't it great when your cry stops Jesus in his tracks? How about today your cry stopped Jesus in his tracks? How about today you decide that you're going to get Jesus' attention? I, I love this story because Bartimaeus understood the moment that he was in. I, I, I believe that there are, there are miracles for every one of us today. And it's your expectation that causes those miracles to happen in your life. Raise your level of expectation. Guess what happens? God shows up. Bartimaeus was excited. So, son of David, have mercy on me. Son. So Jesus stood still and commanded him to be called. And then they called the blind man, saying to him, be of good cheer. Probably the only time in his life that he's been encouraged. He's been blind his whole life. Rise, he is calling you. And throwing aside his garment, he rose and came to Jesus. Verse 51. So Jesus answered and said to him, what do you want me to do for you? Okay, time out. Jesus, he's blind. What else do you think he wants? Now, why would Jesus say this to blind Bartimaeus? Why would he say, what do you want to a blind man? Well, it wasn't that Jesus didn't know what he wanted. He wanted to make sure that Bart knew what he wanted. God never asks you a question because he doesn't know the answer. God asked you a question so that you could be specific about you, what you want from him. How about today you decide, I want this from God? When was the last time that you were vocal and specific about what you wanted from God? May, let's be specific today. Let's, let's make a decision that we're going to call out to God exactly what we want. What do you want from me, Jesus asked. The blind man said to him, teacher, Rabboni, that I may receive my sight. Then Jesus said to him, didn't even touch him, didn't even lay hands on him, didn't spit in his eye. He just said, go your way, your faith, your faith. Everybody shout, my faith. My faith. Your faith has made you well. And immediately, not when he walked away, immediately he received his sight and followed Jesus on the road. Now, Mark is a very unique writer of the Gospels because a couple things. Mark um, really told the story of Peter. Peter is describing what's going on, and then Mark wrote it all down. The interesting thing about the Gospel of Mark is that every miracle that you see in Mark is tied to the cross. Everything you see in Mark is tied to the cross. Every miracle that you see. Let me prove it to you. When Jesus was going up, to Golgotha, the Bible says that he could not carry his cross. And so there was, there was a man named Simon of Cyrenian who was around him. And they said, hey, will you carry his cross? The connection is there was a man who was paralyzed, who could not get himself to Jesus. And four of his friends decided to carry him to Jesus. There's a connection. When Jesus died on the cross, the Bible says they took a spear and they stabbed his side. And out of his side came water and blood. There was a woman who was healed of an issue of blood. Blind Bartimaeus was blind. Jesus was blindfolded and spit upon. Spit upon and said, prophesy to us. Now, why would Mark take every miracle and tie it to the cross? 
Because he wanted us to know and make sure that whatever we need, we can find at the foot of the cross. Every miracle that you need is found in Jesus Christ. Come on, give God some praise for that. Isn't that good to know? That there is an answer for every miracle that you have. See, see, who, who is Bartimaeus? Let's talk about this, this guy named Bartimaeus. Bartimaeus was, um, his name actually meant son of Timaeus, son of Timaeus. When, when, back 2,000 years ago, and um, really all of Middle East, very, names are very important, extremely important. Um, and and when, when a family had a boy, uh, they, they were excited, very excited. Not that they weren't excited with girls, but extra excited when they had a boy. Because a boy meant legacy, future so when a family, when a man had a son, he was so excited, so excited about it because he knew that his name would carry on. Timaeus means highly prized. But when Timaeus had a son who was blind, instead of being specific in naming his legacy, he thought so less of Bartimaeus that he just named him son of me. His life didn't start very good. But I love Bart's faith. I love, it inspires me actually. That's why I love this story. Every time I read this story, I get fired up about it. Because here is a man who was blind, couldn't see, but yet knew from the footsteps of a man that Jesus was the Messiah. I would put forth to you that Bartimaeus could see Better than many of the people that followed Jesus. Think about it for a second. He never saw him walk on water. He never saw the dead raised. He never saw the issue of blood healed. He never saw paralyzed people be able to walk. He never saw leprosy healed. But yet he heard that Jesus was walking in the road. And as a result of just simply hearing that Jesus was there... He cried out for his miracle. Sometimes, listen to me, church, sometimes we can be so caught up in where we are that we can miss the very answer to our prayer walking right by us. Bartimaeus had some faith, so much faith, that he was willing to never let this moment pass him by. Let me tell you something. Church isn't something you just check off of your schedule. Please, please, please. Don't just come to church because grandma said for you to come. Please, every time you walk through the doors of the church, you need to come expectant like this is my moment. Today is my day. I'm going to get what I came for. God, I'm coming to meet you. My family's going to be changed. My life is going to be changed. My kids are going to be changed. My, my finances are going to be changed. Are you with me today? Come on, help me preach today. Woo! I'm fired up. I went to Encounter last night. How many of y'all went to Encounter? Raise your hand. Come on, those are the real Christians. I came to church two times on the weekend. <laughs> Here's the truth. We must all leave something behind in order to truly follow Jesus. We all got to leave something behind. That's what this whole series is about, is letting go. Writing a letter to something that is holding us back from our true love. And Jesus being that true love. So what can we learn 
from Bartimaeus. What, what, I want to just give you two things real quickly. Two things that we can learn. Write this down. Number one is we got to quiet the voice of the crowd. Verse 48 says, then many warned him to be quiet. He, he, he hears about Jesus. He hears about this man who, who had done. We don't even really know if he heard much about him. But the moment that he starts to cry out, people are like, shut up. Shut up. Shh. Be quiet, Bartimaeus. Don't draw attention to us. We're, ju- we're just a bunch of beggars over here. Don't, we, don't, we don't need them coming over. What's going to happen if he comes over here? What is he going to do? Bartimaeus is like, I don't care. I, I, I want to see. We all, not just externally, but internally, have a crowd that tries to tell us to shut up. We all do. Now, the interesting thing about Mark, and you can start, I'm going to give you a little homework. Okay, Here's your homework for, for this week. I want you to read the Gospel of Mark. It's only 16 chapters. Come on, you can divide it up over seven days. What is that? What's seven into 16? Like two and a half? You can read two and a half chapters a day. I won't test you next week. There won't be any tests. All right, just for fun, just read it. Notice how many times Mark references a multitude or a crowd. Every single time he talks about it in the negative. Remember the four I told you that carried their friend to Jesus? Remember him? Remember it says that they carried him to the house that Jesus was preaching at, and there was such a crowd that they couldn't get in. So they had to climb up on the top of the house and and knock a hole in the roof. Come on, somebody call the police on them. (laughs) Somebody did that here? Man, I'm calling the insurance company and the police. Like, what y'all doing up there on my roof? Woman with the issue of blood. She had to press her way through the crowd in order to get to Jesus. There were many times where, the, where Jesus had to step away from the crowd in order for him to get back into his right mind to pray and seek God. The Bible says that the Pharisees stirred up the crowd against Jesus. The, one day it was hail him, hail him. The next day it was nail him, nail him. Crowds are bad. And here, here, here's this crowd that's around Bartimaeus. He's going, I want to get healed. And there's this crowd going, be quiet, man. Be quiet. What are those voices? What is that crowd on the inside of you? Maybe it's the voice of a, of a parent that told you you'll never amount to anything. And every time you take a step forward, that little voice, that, that crowd rises up on the inside of you and say, no, don't do that. I mean, nobody... Hey, look, look, our family's never done anything. Our family's never went to college. Our family's never owned a house. Well, who do you think you are? You're never going to be anything. You're just stupid, and you're not going to be anything. That voice, you got, you got to quiet that voice. Quiet that voice. Sometimes it's, uh, that voice is, is the voice of abuse that, that says, look, if, if you do this, you're just going to be a victim again. Sometimes that voice is the voice of failure. It says, you know, if you do this, you're going to fail again. Don't do it. Don't start another business. Don't start your own dream. Don't take that step of faith. You're just going to fail like you've always failed. It's that crap. Shh. Don't, don't say anything. Don't stand up. Bartimaeus, what are you doing? Maybe, maybe it's the voice of, of rejection. It says, if you step out and do something... They might not like you. Come on, we've always faced, we've all faced that. 
Some of us, even in our families, we started to follow Jesus, and they're like, oh, yeah, here he goes, another thing that he's doing. We've got to silence those crowds. We've got to silence them. We've got to get rid of them. So who is your crowd? Who is your crowd? Yeah, maybe it might be some people that are around you. And let me tell you something. You need to leave them. You need to get rid of those people. If they're holding you back from your dream, I'll never forget in 2001 when God spoke to me and my wife about starting Freedom House Church, moving to Charlotte. Moving. I want you to move to Charlotte, North Carolina, a place you don't know anybody, you don't have any connections, you don't have any friends down there, and you need to start this church. I went to my mentor, this guy who had been in my life for probably 10 years. I traveled with him. We ministered together. I learned all this stuff, and I'm thinking, he's going to help me fulfill this dream. So I go to him. I sit down with him. And I say, hey, man, God spoke to me to move to Charlotte. He goes, no, 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 don't do that. You got a good thing going right here. Like, don't leave this church that you're in. I mean, you get a good salary. You, you get this. You do that. You don't need to do that. And I'm thinking, hold on a second, bro. God spoke to me to go do this, and you're telling me not to? I had to step away from him. I had to walk away from that crowd. Some of us got to get away from the influence of those voices. How do we do it? Let me give you three things. That to, first of all, quieting the voice of the crowd means the cry to Jesus must become louder. See, I love what happened to Bartimaeus. Bar Bartimaeus goes, son of David, have mercy on me. Shh, shh, shh. And he just gets louder. Come on, just turns the volume up. Son of David. Shut up, y'all. Have mercy on me. How loud is your cry? How desperate are you to see the change in your family? How loud is your faith? Come on, I'm just challenging you a little bit. Today on Vision Weekend, first month of 2020. How about, how about we, we decide to turn up the volume of our praise a little bit? Turn up the volume of our worship a little bit. Turn up the volume of our desperation. I think we should just take a five-second praise break right now. Come on, let's give God some praise. Come on. Yes, come on. Turn it up. You got to turn it up. Come on, you got to turn it up a little bit. You got to turn it up a little bit. Amen. Come on. Come on. God, turn it up a little bit. Come on. Turn it up. Turn it up. Amen. Amen. That's what I'm talking about. Now, it's easy to do that in church. Everybody's like, yeah, praise God. Look at her. She stood up too. Amen. Come on. But Tuesday, you're sitting in traffic, and you got a bill in your hand, and somebody just texted you some junk. That's when you need to pull the car over the side of the road and get out of your car and say, yes, Lord. Come on. Whatever you need to do. Whatever you need to dance, however, whatever your dance is. Say, what is he doing on the side of the road? Turning up the praise a little bit. Turning up my worship a little bit. Turning up my faith a little bit. So that my cry to Jesus is louder than the crowd on the inside of me. Can I get an amen? Amen. You got to turn it up. Come on, look at your, look at your neighbor and say, turn it up. Turn it up. Turn it up. Who, who sang that song? Salt and Pepper? Was that what? I can't remember who it was. I thought, I, I thought about that just now. All right. Quieting the voice. Here's number two. Write this down. Quieting the voice of the crowd means declaring who you really are. 
The crowd will always try to pull you back to your former identity. See, they didn't want to lose a blind beggar friend. And that's what happens all the time with these voices from the crowd. The voices of the crowd want to keep you like you are because it keeps them safe. The moment that you decide to take a step in another direction. Not everybody wants you to lose weight. Because if you start losing weight, then that means they got to change. If you start working towards that, if you start that business, it's going to put a little pressure on them. So they say, no, I don't want you to change. I call this making a new normal. you, you got to decide, I'm going to make a new normal. Bartimaeus, Bart was trying to make a new normal. I want to see, man. I'm tired of sitting by the road. I'm tired of staying here. I'm a different person. Here's how he did it. I want you to follow me. Bart yelled out, son of David. Now, this this is very important. He said, Jesus, son of David. Only time in the Gospels where Jesus' messianic title was declared. This was his messianic title. This was the coming king Jesus. This was the lineage with the king David, with King David, son of David, son of David. In other words, what Bart was doing was he was calling on a covenant that he had with God. He was calling on a covenant. Had somebody asked me the other day, they were struggling in their finances. And when everybody, when anybody comes to me and says, man, I'm struggling in my finances, I'm facing this challenge, I said, are you a tither? And and 90, 95% of the time, they say, yeah. Yeah, they say, yeah. I said, okay, let's just stop right here. Time out. There is no reason why the enemy should be attacking your finances. Because if you're really a tither, the Bible says that God will rebuke the devourer for you. So if you, you start to give. You start to be a part of of the covenant of God financially, now you have a foundation to stand on. I said, so I want you to just right now declare who you are financially in God. I am blessed. I am prosperous. I am anointed. God gives me the power to get wealth, to establish his kingdom on this earth. You start declaring who you are, not what you used to be. Look, you're not broke. You're not living under poverty anymore. If you have a covenant with God, call on that covenant. Bart, Bart, you don't mind if I call him Bart, do you? <laughs> Bart was blind. In his society, if you, were, if you had any type of physical ailment, you were considered a sinner. Bart says, I'm not a sinner. I'm a child of God. And I'm declaring that you are the messianic coming king that has been, been called to draw us out of our situation and connect us with the Father. I just put forth to you that Bart could see better than those that are around him. They saw all the miracles that Jesus did. He never did, but he still called him the son of David. Come on. Even his disciples didn't even believe. Thomas doubted all the way until after he was raised from the dead. And Thomas saw it all. Come on. Sometimes we can sit in church. We can see all the indications that God wants to move in our life and we deny the fact that Jesus is right in front of us and he wants to do something significant in our life. We got to quiet the voice of the crowd, meaning declaring who I really am. I am accepted. I am forgiven. I am capable. I am qualified. I am valuable. I am blessed. Come on. Uh, just, you got you to get that in your heart. 
Can I get an amen? amen? All right. Number three. I love this verse, 2 Corinthians 5, 17. This means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person, a new person, a new person. You belong to Christ. How many of y'all belong to Christ? Raise your hand if you belong to Christ. All right. You're a new person. You're a new person. New person. The old life is gone. A new life has begun. Here's number three. Is, is quieting the voice of the crowd means a new set of relationships is on the way. Listen to me. Listen to me. You might have to walk away from some people. But let me, let me give you a promise from God. He'll give you some new people. He'll give you some new friends. Better friends. More loyal friends. Trustworthy friends. You might not have as many. But they'll be better quality. Trust me. Here's what happened. Notice what happened with, with Bartimaeus. It says, and immediately he received his sight and he followed Jesus on the road. He left all his beggar buddies that would stay living by the road. Any one of them could have been healed just like Bartimaeus. I imagine they could have jumped up at the same time. Bart went towards Jesus and said, I want some too. And been healed just like Bartimaeus did. Bartimaeus, Bart decided, I am no longer going to live by the road letting life pass me by. I'm going to walk away from this crowd and join a brand new crowd and follow Jesus. Jesus didn't ask him to follow him. He did it because he wanted to change. And he got new relationships, new friends, new connections. That's what this whole series is next, next uh, month. It's about understanding the importance of friendship. I'm going to talk about what that looks like, how to be a friend. Some of us don't even know how to be a friend. It took me a long time. I'm still trying to learn how to be a good friend. And so, so we got to learn how to do that. Number two, number two, if you want to write this down, is you got to quit viewing life from the past. Quiet the voices of the crowd, and you got to quit viewing life from the past. We do that often. Now, Mark is real big on leaving things behind. Again, when you're reading it this week, you're doing your homework, 16 chapters, two and a half chapters a day. Notice how many times Jesus shows up and then somebody leaves something behind. Right at the beginning of the chapter, it says that Jesus showed up and Peter left his nets. James and John left their family. You see it over and over and over again. Bartimaeus had this, this garment that he carried. It was, it was his cloak. It was his identity. It was who he was. Every, everything about him was, was seen through this garment that he had. People identified him by the garment. When he would walk, probably led by one of his family members to his spot. You know, he wanted to make sure he got to the right spot on the road to Jericho. This was a very important spot. Location, location, location. Make sure you want to make sure you're begging in the right spot. When he'd be walking down the road, everybody knew him. Hey, there's Bartimaeus. Not by his face, not by how tall he was but by his garment that he carried. His garment was his way to collect money. So he would put his garment on the ground, and he would sit on that garment as he was waiting. He didn't have a little change thing, jingle, 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 jingle. That's not, he didn't have that. No, his garment was his way 
of collecting money. So people would come by and they would throw change and it would land in his garment. And then at the end of the day, when it was nighttime and he had to go back and there was no more traffic, he would roll up his garment and it would have all his money in it and he would take it home to his family. This, this garment that he had was his security. This was his livelihood. Probably the, the, the most precious thing that he had in his life was his garment. You know, a lot of times we lean on things of the past way more than we do leaning on Jesus. We put so much emphasis on what we were, what was, that we miss what God is doing. But I want you to notice what he did. It says, and throwing aside his garment, he rose and came to Jesus. Now, let me ask you something. Was Bart healed? Before he threw the garment, or was he healed after he threw the garment? No, he threw the garment. Then he came to Jesus. Jesus asked him, what do you want? And then he was healed. He left his past behind. He says, no longer am I going to be identified as a blind beggar. I'm going to be identified as a child of the king. I'm going to see he was giving up everything. I, 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 he, he didn't have anybody take him to Jesus either. It's probably the first time in his life where he got up and walked all by himself. And the reason he was able to do that was because he was no longer viewing his life through the filter of his past. Sometimes we view life through offense. We, we put on, on this garment of a hard heart. Happens in church. We get offended. Somebody offends us. And let me just say something to you about offense. Offense is a choice. Always a choice. It's a choice. It's your choice. You say, well, you don't know what they did. It doesn't matter. You're the one that can carry that offense with you from church to church to church and have a hard heart and say, you know what? I'm not going to let you in. I'm, ne I'm never going to let you touch my heart ever again. I'm never going to let anybody in. Sometimes we do this in relationships. Men, oh, I hate men. Those three, they destroyed my life. We pick up offense. And then everybody is filtered through the coat, the garment of our past. Sometimes we view life through unforgiveness. We carry around unforgiveness. And we carry around. And what happens when we have unforgiveness, when we view life through this past of unforgiveness, you know what we do? We carry around bitterness and cynicism. We view life bitter. You know, somebody's unforgiven, they just got their face all sprinkled up all the time. I've done it. I've had some people do some really mean things to me. And let's be honest, okay? Remember, we're in church. Let's be honest. I'll throw myself under the bus, Olin. I've prayed prayers. Lord, kill him right now in Jesus' name. I don't even care if they go to heaven. That's fine with me, but just get him out right now. Just take him out. Lightning come in Jesus' name. Truck. I don't, they don't need to feel anything. Just take him out, Lord. Now don't be looking at me like you haven't ever prayed one of those kind of prayers. Because you know you have. You know you have. You say, I'm all perfect. No, you're not. The Bible says pray for them. I'm like, God, kill them. <laughs> I 
not how God works, by the way. Just want to let you know. It never works. <laughs> All I do is start viewing life through bitterness and cynicism. <laughs> they don't even know that I'm, I'm carrying the unfor- unforgiveness. They're out of my life. So I'm not hanging around with them anymore. All I do, every time something happens, I think about them. Why? I still got the garment. Sometimes we view life through, through, uh, through hurt and we carry around a lack of trust. So we don't want to trust anybody. We don't want to trust people close to us. So we, get, we come to church and we sit on the back row and we come in late and we leave early. Because we don't want anybody to talk to us. We don't want anybody to ask us to serve. Because the last church we served at, we got beat up, manipulated, and hurt. And so we don't want to do that anymore. We don't want to be involved in that anymore. Can I just tell you something? It's time to get rid of this garment, man. That ain't going to help you anymore. It's time to let that thing go. Now, is it easy? No. Is it tough? Yes. But in order for you to get the vision that God has for you, you got to take that step of faith and let it go first. And then God asks you that question. I'm going to close with this little thought. There's a guy by the name of, let me read, let me read a couple verses first. Okay, let me, let me just read a couple verses. Ephesians 4, 21 says, Since you have heard about Jesus and have learned the truth that comes from him, throw off your old sinful nature and your former way of life. Put on your new nature created to be like God. Let me give you one more. It says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders. Throw it off. Just throw off everything. How about today, Sunday? We just throw off everything that hinders us from getting close to God. I love what Jesus says in Matthew. He says, then Jesus went, I love this, went to work on his disciples. He says, anyone who intends to come with me has to let me lead. When we throw off that garment, he takes control. He says, you're not in the driver's seat, I am. I'm in the driver's seat. Let me stay in the driver's seat. There's a a story I just read this week of, of a sheep named Shrek. One of my pastor friends told me this story. Now, Shrek is not overweight. I know he looks like it. Shrek is a New Zealand sheep. Did you know they have more sheep in New Zealand than people? I didn't know that. But Shrek was a sheep that wandered away from the shepherd, wandered away from the flock, and for six years was lost in a cave. Six years. And as a result of being in that cave for six years, when normally every year he would be shaved, he was not shaved. And what you see is 60 pounds of fleece. He's carrying all of this weight that he should not be carrying. A sheep shouldn't carry more than about 10 to 12 pounds of fleece at any one time. He's carrying 60 pounds. You know, I meet a lot of Christians that are just carrying all this weight. They're carrying all their failures. They're carrying all this past. They're carrying all these problems. They're carrying all this stuff. But what I love about the story is the shepherd was relentless in finding little Shrek. He never gave up. He knew Shrek was a wanderer. He knew he was a fringer. He knew that he'd kind of leave every now and then and he had to go back and get him. But six years later, he found him. And it reminded me of this verse 
that Jesus said. He said, come to me, all those who labor and are heavy laden. Hey, hey, come to me. I'm the good shepherd. I want to help you get rid of all of that stuff. I want to help you get rid of that crowd that's weighing you down. I want, you, I want to help you get rid of that, that, that past that's, that's holding you back from the vision that I have for you. Come to me, all those that are heavy laden, and I'll give you rest. Why? Take my yoke upon you. Learn, learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart. I'm gentle. God's not waiting up there to whack you upside the head because you did something wrong or you've been hiding in the cave for six years. No, he wants to free you from your past. He wants to free you so you can see. What do you want from God? Why don't you stand up on your feet if you can. Stand up on your feet. And we're going to go old school today. Is that all right? We're going to go old school. I could have you raise your hand. But I want you to use your faith. If you're carrying around some stuff that you shouldn't be carrying, you're ready to leave it behind. If, you, if you've been carrying some past, some unforgiveness, some, some cynicism, some bitterness, you've been, you've been carrying around hurt and offense, maybe, maybe you've been struggling with those voices of the crowd, the, those hard voices, those, those parental negative things, I, I want you to do something. Yeah, I, could get you to, I want you to get out of your seat and come to this altar. I'm going to pray for you today. You say, that's me. I want you to get out of your seat right now and come down. Because we're going to pray together. This is your step of faith. This is you throwing off that garment. This is you taking that step of faith and saying, God, I want what I came for today. I'm desperate. My cry is louder. My cry is louder than the crowd around me. And as you come, just lift your hands up. Just surrender to them. Because you can't do it on your own. You can't let this go all on your own. You can't let those words go on your own. You need God to intervene in your life. And let me tell you, Jesus is walking right by you today. You can let him pass you by and sit begging on that road for the rest of your life. But you can stand up and cry out, Son of David, have mercy on me. Son of David, have mercy on me. Jesus, I need a miracle. Jesus, I need a new marriage. Jesus, I need you to change my life. Jesus, I, I, need, I need to get out of this situation. Jesus, help me to forgive. Jesus, help me to be set free from this lack of trust, this offense that I've been dealing with. Come on, be specific today with God. Be specific today with what He can do in your life. Pray a prayer, a relentless faith, a desperate prayer. Come on, give it all to Him today. In the name of Jesus. Everything and nothing else. Come on, sing it out, church. Come on, sing it out. Completely yours.
What do you want from God? What do you want from Jesus? That's the question. Let's be specific today. I'm going to pray over you. Put your hand on your heart, those of you all that came. And let's be specific. You got it in your, in your mind. You got it in your heart right now. This is what I want, God. I want this. I, God, I, I come today for this. I'm not leaving until I get this today. So, Father, I thank you that you are God who answers prayers. Jesus, you're the good shepherd. God, you hear every one of our prayers. You hear every one of our cries. Lord, you, you hear when, when we want more ministry. You, you hear when, when we want to take a step forward. And today, by faith, by faith, Lord, we take that, that leap, God, leaving our past behind, leaving that crowd behind, Father. We want new relationships. We want new vision, God. We want new sight. We, we, wanna, we want that miracle. Now just be clear with God right now in your own words. Just make it clear. God, I want I want this. I want a new marriage. I want I, I need my dream to come back to life. I want this. Be specific with it. He'll meet you right where you are. It's your faith. It's your faith. Receive it right now in Jesus' name. We receive it right now. We receive it right now. Right now, God. We receive it right now. 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 Oh, thank you, God. Thank you, God. Come on, just begin to thank Him for it. Thank you, God. 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 Come on. Get a little louder. Thank you, God. 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 Thank. Come on. One more decimal up. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. We receive it, Lord. We receive it. We receive it. I receive it, God. I receive it, God. Come on. One more time. Take it up just a little bit more. Father, thank you. Thank you, God. I receive it. I receive it in Jesus' name. Jesus' name. Amen. Aren't you glad you came to church today? Come on, y'all, y'all, aren't you glad you came to church today? I'm glad you came to church today, bro. I'm proud of you, man. Come on, man. Awesome. Proud of you. Proud of all of you. You know, it, ta- it takes guts, especially like if you're a leader, you're serving, to really just be honest with God and just come to Him and go, hey, man, you know, some of the hardest phone calls I've ever made are to my friends when I've screwed up and I got to tell them, hey, man, I did this and I need your help, and I need to take that. I, I need some help, man. Those are the hardest phone calls in the, in the world. It's something, I don't know what it is, but when the longer you've been a Christian, the easier it is to just pack stuff away. Pack stuff away. Sometimes you just got a clean house, don't you? I just had somebody come in and help me clean up my house a little bit, like organize. I had no idea how much junk I had in my house. And you know, you know what happens? They start throwing stuff away. No, no, don't throw that away. I know I haven't used it in 26 years, but I, I might need it tomorrow. Right? And then when they're all done and it's like clear, you're like, man, I feel so clean. 
Like I feel so clear. I feel I feel like that's what happened today is that God came in and just cleansed you of all those negative voices, all of those horrible things. Jesus said, come to me, all those that are heavy laden, and I will give. Some of y'all are going to have the best night of sleep you've ever had in the last, like, 15 years. Because you're just light. Amen? Come on, smile. Look at somebody and smile at them. Say, yes, I am free in Jesus.